Welcome to the Go One Better podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah Tucker and Abby Layton. And if you're serious about mastering your mindset, nutrition and training, but love a good time and a lol, then stick around because we're about to become best friends. Alrighty, guys. Welcome back. We're up to episode 18 today. It's very exciting. We are. We have a special guest today. We do have a special guest. So we are welcoming Jack Boone onto the podcast today. Welcome, Jack. Welcome, very welcome. special guest. <laughs> you are a special guest. 18. You guys have been punching him out. I know. One a week. We've been consistent too. We have been. We haven't missed one we yet. We haven't missed one yet. We had a close call when I had my bender. Yeah. <laughs> we pushed it forward. We did. So... Jack, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, for those that don't know you? Mm. Um, where to start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where to start, I guess, was a person heavily involved with sports growing up and um, I guess envisioned a life as a professional athlete, which didn't work out so great. Um, and what, what, I'd consider you an athlete. What were you trying to... Uh, both cricket and football. Oh, wow. Um, and But participated in... Everything. A large array of uh, activities. And then I suppose within that came an interest in, I guess, strength training and being involved in the gym from a pretty young age. So I think I stepped into the gym maybe around probably 14 years old. Shit. And maybe maybe 15, I'm not sure. And then actually did my PT ticket when I was still 17. Yeah. And um, had my first job pretty much straight out of that around when school finished so um coming out of school was around when the sports stuff wasn't kind of working out and from there um didn't really know what I wanted to do but one of the I suppose appealing aspects of the life of a professional athlete was the financial freedom uh, that came with it so I knew that I wanted money um, nice. I'd Good watched goal. I'd watched Wall Street many times <laughs> and saw that stockbrokers did pretty well for themselves. So mm. I went off to uni and studied finance and marketing. Oh my God, no way. And um, PT was a pretty good job um, for an 18-year-old to be doing either side of his studies because you can go in, in the gym for a couple hours in the morning and for a time exchange for money, it was also, um, you know, pretty, pretty well paid, which gave me the means to... I guess, live the life that was important to me at that time, which was pretty much buy myself a new T-shirt and have money <laughs> drinking on the weekend. Um, and somewhere along those lines, that um, that exchange of time for money became a little bit more of a passion after, um, I guess, going through some life experiences with a, um, I suppose, a, 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 a girlfriend at high, in high school who developed an eating disorder and then a family member with a very similar thing. So to a, a young male um, with, I guess, a fair amount of inexperience or ignorance as well, just into the, the workings of psychology and, um, and body image disorders and all such things, I was very confused, which sent me down a path of um, pretty deep exploration to, to see what opportunities could be presented within my skill set in the gym and the personal training space to evolve what I was doing there and um, ultimately do what I could to bring about value and change for those that have maybe um, found themselves in that rut. And I think it still is pretty uh, heavily embedded within culture and society mm-hmm. um, with, Definitely. you know, probably magnified by social media. Yeah, um, definitely. For the unrealistic <laughs> so, yeah. expectation to look and be and behave in a certain way and um you know i don't blame people for falling into that trap because it is a very big fallacy all the time i think some of the people that project you know the the happiest and the best lives um and the best bodies are often the ones that are actually the most miserable when there's a great deal of or a great lack of transparency probably especially within this industry so um that's where i'm trying to step in and do things a little bit differently you know do you find yeah. that just mostly with females or is it with like males? No, I think it exists both well? for yeah. sure. I think um, I think for sure it's probably more common in um, in females. At, it goes both ways. I haven't met many um, men that have had eating disorders with, I suppose, anorexia or bulimic type mm-hmm. tendencies. However, it does exist. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's rarer. But there is definitely a large element of probably body dysmorphia. Um, and yeah. again, that is uh, magnified probably a little bit by 
mainstream media and things like even if you look at um, if we look at let's say the the male figure superheroes you look at a Batman movie mm. and a Robin movie or you know Batman and Robin and Superman and all those kind of things if we go back to you know the 60s or 70s or whatever that may be and as time has progressed those figures have become more muscular larger more defined um, and that has conjured up I guess this image of masculinity and and, and the need to uh, maybe maybe look such a certain way to be deemed as I guess adequate and um, mm. so I think there is definitely an element of body dysmorphia that drives people to be um, you know reaching for crazy crazy physiques you know yeah. and and that can sometimes um, lead down a path of whether we want to call it risk-taking behavior or um, you know doing everything that they can with the um, in taking shortcuts maybe to get mm-hmm. themselves there because a lot of it is coming from probably an underlying um, maybe insecurity. Yeah. We, we all have them. You know? I feel like the male body image isn't spoken about enough. Not at all. Yeah. I don't, like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't hear about I mean, it. Like, I don't know if that's just because I'm a female. But yeah. 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 Do you have like, do you see a lot of males experiencing it or? Um, I mean, boys are good at hiding their feelings too. Yeah, so. for sure. I think there's a couple of things embedded in that. It's A, um, you're, you're 100% right. Men have, again, been told, you know, boys don't cry. Yeah, boys don't cry. You know, things like mm. that. And um, and so, you know, there, there's a probably a less willingness or comfort to be mm. vulnerable, especially with other male peers on such things, that the fear of probably being judged or perceived as the complete opposite of what you're feeling insecure about in the first place for being in, in touch with your emotions. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I think a lot of, um, I'm very pro, I'm very supportive. As I've just mentioned, a lot of my sort of passion has come from a desire to, uh, be a helping figure for the female demographic. Mm. Um, so I'm very, um, happy to see a lot more of the women's rights and that kind of movement happening. But, um, I do think in some context of that conversation, the men have been a little bit maybe left behind in that. Yeah. Have you ever experienced like a negative body image time? Um, like, yeah, have you ever I, felt I've definitely, yeah. Or felt like a pressure to look a certain way because of what you do or anything like that? Um, yeah, to a degree, for sure. Um, I mean, as the old saying kind of goes is that your body is your business card, um, mm. which has a element of truth to it i feel that pressure for sure yeah i feel i've felt that pressure before not so much anymore yeah and but i definitely have transitioned out of that and yeah. i think time and credibility and using your brain has maybe yeah. helped <laughs> um detach from just the physical element of it but um at the same time that that body dysmorphia or um you know not being satisfied with the physical appearance probably doesn't have for the most of us men, the detrimental emotional impact is Mm. what it does probably on women embodied with their um, identity and sense of self-worth. So you might not be happy about it, but I don't think it necessarily hits as heavy on their overall well-being. But, um, you know, my my, uh, childhood was uh, probably a bit more unique in the way that... um, it, if we just call a spade a spade, it had a fair bit of violence <laughs> in it, and uh, and I guess a part of the the desire to go to the gym and be strong was to be able that. to look after myself yeah. and yeah, um, right. be able to protect myself in in those circumstances and um, and, and of course, but but for sure, and I mean, I know where this conversation is going to lead to today, and um, they're definitely aligned in that. Um, you know, like I said, well, sport didn't work out and then, but I've been going to the gym and I'm, you know, growing up in Tassie, a smaller place, I'm the young personal trainer with a bit of a physique and whatever it may be, is now that that's, that's, that's your, that's your identity. Yeah. So there is this um, expectation that you always have to be big and strong and in mm. shape and, um, and I think whether it goes both ways, you know, like put it this way, you're both beautiful women in good shape and I'm sure you have moments when you're in your underwear in the bathroom in the shower and you're like oh I don't like this bit or mm. I don't like that yeah, bit yeah for sure yet 
and then somebody who was morbidly obese would probably hate you if mm, they heard you saying those yeah. such things so yeah. it goes both ways and i think that's just that's human nature and human greed is that you know one's good two's better we're always going to want more so mm. even though in comparison to maybe my peers they would uh, perceive you as you know more muscular or whatever it may be in my mind i never felt i felt really embarrassed when people would say oh you're big really like and i was a lot bigger now then than what I was now because yeah. I don't care about such things on mm. such a level. But I look mm. back at, at old photos and go, shit, <laughs> I was flicked. <laughs> but, but back then, I never once thought that I was actually big. Mm. I felt embarrassed if people would say that to me. Interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. I've never sort of heard it from a no, boy's perspective. Right. I've um, always just felt like, yeah, it's an us issue. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so I guess the reason why we wanted to get you onto the – the podcast today um, in particular is to speak about, and I guess maybe a little bit of a warning here. Yeah, a little bit of a trigger warning. A trigger warning or just a, a warning in general. We are about to talk about psychedelic drugs, um, but I guess more so we want to talk about the benefits of them, um, your experience, and especially to do with mental health, I guess, and improving mental health. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah. I feel like a trigger warning <laughs> should be applied to me anytime I'm yeah, talking. I think it, I, yeah, I agree. I'm no stranger to uh, rustling with feathers. Some feathers. <laughs> yeah. You actually are. Um, ah, cool. So, yeah, I think it's important to, you know, face this conversation with an element of responsibility that, mm. um, you well, know, like all... Sorry. Sorry. No, sorry, no you're right. I was just going to say, I've never even, like, considered psychedelics as a positive Mm-hmm. Haven't you? No. I've only ever done them in like in a like party, scene. party scene. So like when you brought that to my attention and even Jack, you two have brought mm. it to my attention as well. I was like, what? Mm. I <laughs> mean, like, I, I don't know too much about it, but I know that, that it can, can have really good benefits. And yeah, there like are the some great. in your brains and I think um, it's not legal here yet, but I mean, I think that's on the, the way we're sort of heading. Oh, I hope so, yeah, because there are definitely um, huge therapeutic benefits yeah. to be found from such compounds, but at the same time, uh, it needs to be handled with great responsibility mm. and prefacing and, and building up to such things. And it's and I don't necessarily think that they're, um, although labelled by the government under sort of classes of drugs and things, they're not all the same. They're not to be probably confused with amphetamines mm. and... Um, whatever it may be that's being used recreationally, although that they can be used recreationally and had you can have a really fun time on mm. them, I think yes. their their medicinal or therapeutic uh, therapeutic benefits are you know, that's that's where their real beauty and their, their magic mushroom maybe <laughs> is actually comes from and that can be done, you know, under guidance of doctors in a clinical setting or under maybe a shaman or somebody in a in a trusting environment. And I think that that word environment of being in a place of safety mm. is probably the most important element when mm. if, if, if someone were to choose to experiment with such things because we are talking about playing with people's consciousness here yeah. and reality mm. and that can be a really scary thing if you are not prepared and you are not um, and it's just all a little bit too much too soon. Mm. You know I think it I mean? would really scare me. To yep. take it like in that like next a, step further. In like a setting with like a therapist mm. or something. Yeah. It would really because scare you me. you feel like you're scared of something that's going to come out. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. Who knows with me? 100%. I think the most important thing is, and I, I would say this as well, and I, I've only just, like I've seen this a lot in particularly male uh, Australian sort of drinking culture, mm. whether it be uh, whether it be with alcohol, whether it be with smoking, whether it be with pot, whether it be with cocaine, who, mm. whatever it is, how many times and I'm sure you girls have been in similar experiences when people are, oh, fuck, have one more, have one, just do it. Like, yeah. what's worst going to happen? Mm. I never, never, ever would encourage or let somebody, you know, cave under the peer pressures when we are talking about psychedelics because it is a very different thing. Yeah, mm. yeah. You are... Um, you're quite literally delving into somebody's subconscious mind where you may unlock things that have been there dormant for their entire lifetime. Yeah. God. It's, it's scary. It so is scary. In terms of the types of drugs yep. that they – is it usually just magic mushrooms or is it um, – I've experimented with um, all of them in mush, magic mushrooms, LSD, yeah. and also um, probably the – the king of all of them, which is DMT. DMT. So DMT, five, five yeah. methyl tryptamine. <laughs> and, um, 
you know, I think like a lot of things in my life, I do it always backwards. Um, <laughs> and I, I threw, got thrown in the deep end, so to speak. So my, my experiences with psychedelics started uh, maybe, maybe in 2014, I think it was. And I'd never done acid or mushrooms or anything like that before. And as I kind of already prefaced there, uh, life had presented many, I suppose, challenges and, and somewhat left me with a bit of an identity crisis, um, having, you know, spent 20 years with a complete belief that my life was going down the path of professional sport and then also, okay, that doesn't work out and then you're the gym guy. Um, but I like to think that I've got a lot more to contribute than my biceps to um, to my relationships and um, life. So um, given that that somewhat felt predetermined for me, I hadn't really probably explored and been able to express any other sides of my personality. So I didn't really know who I was in a way outside of those constructs that were expected or placed upon me. That's me right um, now. And, well... Dramatic. <laughs> I literally said, like, last week on the podcast, I didn't know who I was no, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is what I need. Jack, you've got to take me down well, we can, acid lane. <laughs> we'll see how you feel at the end of the conversation. <laughs> so, um, so within that, I guess, came a great deal of probably... Um, there's definitely been some pretty deep bouts of depression. Um, there's probably been some moments that have uh, been tempting with suicidal thoughts and such things, which is a really, really scary place. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of probably projection and misplaced um, anger, um, which, you know, you've, you've blamed other people for, which in turn is actually coming from something within inside myself. Um, and psychedelics was probably a really big turning point that helped me sort of down a path of... Um, of discovery and you know I think it would be great if you could do those things through um, you know regular psychology and meditation and these journaling work and breath work and reading before probably entering that space I think it would be give somebody a greater preparation Mm. if they chose to explore such things but as I mentioned this is just not how things went for me (laughs) so um, I have a friend which I will remain unnamed (laughs) who is um, pretty eccentric, pretty out there. And, um, you know, my experiences with other drugs had been, you know, I'd used most things recreationally to to party. And when I say party, I look back on those times and there wasn't actually much fun. It was very much um, a, very much a substance abuse which was being treated as like a as an escape yeah. mm. to basically and and almost a um an outlet an outlet to punish myself for nearly you girls having some camera issues mm. yeah, is it working is your storage your fucking storage do you need to swap it before we continue we don't because your phone's on okay. there it doesn't well, matter it's just, just going to be you it's just going to be all right <laughs> today then all right great <laughs> um right. So e- either way I uh this friend of mine he goes mate I've got I've been doing some DMT and I'm like, what the fuck is DMT? I've never heard of it. And he goes to me, mate, they call it the smoko drug. So it only lasts 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, wow. I thought it I was thought like... It was way shorter. Yeah, I it thought like it was 15 like 15 seconds. seconds. No, 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 no. Like five minutes at max. Five to 15 minutes. It would all depend on obviously the dose. Yeah, I thought it was do. like way quicker than 15 and minutes. It, um, and it sort of peaks very quickly with intensity and, and starts to drift off through that 15 minutes. So oh, DMT okay. as well is the drug that's released as you die. So it's released yeah. from the pineal gland in your brain and um, it is released when you're born, when you're born, when you dream and when you die. Okay. Oh, and wow. that's why a lot of people, I think when they say like you've heard, maybe people say drowning is peaceful mm. because the body starts to flood, um, the brain starts to flood your body with DMT. So DMT is actually in every living organism. It's in plants, it's in trees, it's in bark, it's in, um, yeah, many, many things. So um, it actually is something that is natural within your body in your brain um but it comes from mimosa bark and then it is made with a combination of uh white spirit and lye um i think but 
either way, it's um, it's typically smoked. Some people do it in a joint. Some people do it in a pipe. Um, I'm sure there's many other ways that you can do it. It's it's also the active ingredient in ayahuasca that they do in the oh, Amazon, sure. which I haven't done. Um, would you? Yeah, of course I would. I'd be <laughs> um, terrified of ayahuasca. Yeah. I've never even had. I'm a little bit scared of ayahuasca. I'd, I'd be scared. The what is it? It's it's like well, I mean, I don't really know much about it, but I think you do it with like a group, and there's like people guiding you through it, and you trip, and it's kind of like acid, but a bit more intense, and you end up like spewing. There's a lot of purging, yeah, you purging, shit, you spew shit, on yourself. Um, like no, that's group, a no from me. And you cry, and you just like let out. But apparently, at the end of it, you come out and you're like reborn. That's meant to be there. Yeah, see, it's interesting wow. actually you say that before I go back to that DMT story. I always, so for example, psilocybin magic mushrooms, they often bring on quite a lot of nausea and purging mm. type symptoms and people talk about mushy gut a bit and it's not a very nice experience and I was always, yeah, very adverse or not wanting that, like it sucks. Mm. And then um, I actually had a, a really big dose one day and went through this pretty big journey and we can talk about that again at a later time maybe but um in that that day I actually found myself in the bathroom literally on the toilet leaning in the bathroom leaving over the toilet uh, sorry over the bath and going both ends and spewing and but what I just and as much as that was like you'd think that's disgusting and it Mm. sucks and it is but what I figured out in that um in that experience was and I'd never really done much yoga or anything like that before, but you know how they talk about your chakras, mm. okay? So you've got your different chakras and blockages, and we know that um, uh, uh, that trauma is created in the brain and stored in the body, in the mm. tissue. So yep. um, what was actually happening is I could feel the blockages within my chakras in my body, and when I was actually purging, what it was is it was a release of that trauma stored in the tissue, and it was somewhat actually now... It felt therapeutic, it felt relief and I felt like I'd quite literally cleansed my body and rid myself of um, of that trauma that was being carried around with me. So that's how I now kind of look at the purging experience as much as you say you don't want it. Mm. Um, but it, uh, I suppose it just depends on what it is that you're looking yeah. to get out of the trip, you know. So that's there's really purging. Really interesting. That's hectic. So, what is actually in these drugs that causes our brains to do this? Do you know the answer to that? The DMT. No, no, just like even in like mushies, like acid, what's actually in them? Well, psilocybin mushrooms then has to get converted to psilocin, which is the psychoactive ingredient. And uh. um, our digestive systems struggle a little bit with that. And that's what can sometimes bring on that uh, feeling of nausea. So you can uh, minimize its effects by actually. Um, grinding up your mushrooms and letting them soak in lemon juice for a period of time because the acidity helps because our, our stomach, our digestion is very mm. acidic um, and that lemon juice actually helps begin that breakdown process before you can put it into a tea um, and, and drink it. Um, there are other things that can be done to, I suppose, help lace your stomach or um, better prepare you for <laughs> that experience, um, which I've experimented with, but yeah. That's wild. That is wild. I um, like, yeah, no. It's a no from me. No? <laughs> no. 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 I, I don't, don't need to I'd vomit help. and shit. No, and I wouldn't do that far. Yeah, I guess my personal experience with um, psychedelics, I do – I haven't – mushrooms I've done once, I think, and it was mm-hmm. very full on. Yeah. I think that the only, it's the only on. time that I've actually tripped and seen something that's not there. Like I was looking at a friend and her face like elongated and I think that just like tripped me out. <laughs> Yep. like that's just weird I just can't believe, like it's pretty crazy that I can actually you never want to look in the brain. mirror when you're on psychedelics because you look so yeah. ugly I've <laughs> never done that I don't think I've yeah, always been at a festival your fingernails oh. are this long yeah. and your hairs are coming <laughs> off and you just look disgusting what about when you look at someone else do they look disgusting it depends. I mean, it I depends. looked at my friend and her face went like me. But, but, but I mean, acid's very different. I, don't, I think with acid, well, personally, I've never d- taken so much that you've seen something that's not actually there. It's just sort of everything breathes and it's quite lovely. and <laughs> Quite enjoyed. Although um, you have had a bad experience, haven't you? Bad experience, it's yeah. probably a little bit easier to somewhat monitor a little bit acid with its dose too because, of course, mushrooms yeah. coming from, you know, being picked, um, th- th- they may vary in the strength within yeah. them too. But, I mean... I, um, after sort of having these experiences, started to, um, I guess, discover the benefits within my own life, having experimented with such things, um, started digging 
deep into the research that McKenna did at Harvard in the 60s um, looking at psilocybin and identifying the um, doses. And so they they labelled half a gram as a microdose, which has meant to have non-hallucinogenic mm. effects, which mm. they nicknamed the problem-solving dose. Um, and that has been shown to, I guess, stimulate creativity. And a lot of people, uh, it's becoming more popular now, yeah, especially. It's crazy that it's 50 years later, 60, 70 yeah. years later. Like, yeah. what, what have people been doing? Why has it taken so long? We can, we can go down the current <laughs> conspiracy hole of why they want to keep people away from these things yeah, because it gives you a greater connection onto, I guess, all living beings and our energy mm. and what's going on around us and, I guess, the, the real meanings of life. It, it, they, I, would, I would say these psychedelic experiences are very much a reorganisational experience within our mind and help us um, somewhat clear out what is no longer serving us positively and recenter our focus on the things that are what's most important into our life which is typically the ones that we love mm. you know so it's bloody crazy it's interesting yeah i listened to a really interesting podcast on lsd it's like how it got do you um listen to stuff you should know podcast you know that no i haven't you know, actually they, they did a really interesting one about how it was created accidentally which was really cool like this guy was making mm. i think he was making um, trying to make a drug for asthma and he accidentally made this concoction and got it on his hand or something and licked his hand and it ended up in his mouth and he started <laughs> tripping mm. and had no idea what was going on and then went to the doctor and the doctor was like, physiologically, like, you're fine. There's just something going up in mind in your head. Like, just relax. Whatever is happening, just don't worry. So then he started, like, to relax and enjoy his trip. And then he ended up having a really great trip and then went to work the next day and was like, guys, I've created this thing. Like, why don't you try it? And then they yeah. all, like, tripped. Um, well, I yeah. think there's so – how many things – there'd be so many things within the medical world that have been created by accident. The one that stands yeah. out to me is, like, Viagra was never meant to give you a bonus. That was, was a that was a medication they were creating to try and lower blood pressure. How funny. And so it's a vasodilator oh and then they found that the side effect was actually that they got erections and they're like, we can make big money from this. Oh, yeah, funny. and they're good. There's actually a movie about that, I think. It's Jake You're loving the other drugs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Such a good one. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. No, he's the devil now. <laughs> I hate him now. Right. He's a good looking man. Oh, Taylor so Swift, have you, are you behind? You would be, but you wouldn't uh, know no, anything. I wouldn't have a clue about Jake that. Yeah, he's Why, what so, do you do? He broke her heart. Oh, what an asshole. <laughs> she wrote a 10 minute song about Maybe it. Maybe she should have some mushrooms and it won't be so painful. <laughs> so is that what I need to do to get over heartbreak? Probably. Have some mushrooms. Maybe. I definitely would say that they um, they help people find a, a place of acceptance within who and they help actually you realize are. So, things, in I like, think. why can you tell me why that happens? I have so it many questions. Like pathways in your brain. Yeah, but why and how? How does that happen? Well, I think um, DMT particularly they talk about an ego death, um, and so. I don't think there's anything wrong with ego, but as, lo if you, as long as you can identify when it's the ego speaking or, when or, mm. when it, or if it's the self. And, um, and sometimes I think when we're ruled by ego, we're very much more emotionally reactive to such things and coming from a place of maybe um, absence rather than you know, gratitude. So again, it's very hard to put into words, but they definitely realign your uh, value systems. Yeah, yeah. We um talk about like set and setting. Do you know much about like if you're in the wrong set and setting, then it can be really turned into like a bad trip? Please tell me. No, no, no I'm asking. Like, do oh. you know? <laughs> um, I feel like it would make a difference. Well, yeah, yeah I, I think that that's like I said, environment. Yeah. And then I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Is so important because um, if if I go full circle here back to the DMT as my um, mate said he goes oh this is a smoko drug and I'm like okay well what's going to happen and he goes well you're going to um, probably just see some geometrical shapes and some colours and I'm like oh, cool whatever here we oh are God. on the couch and boom 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 and I literally died like not, you died. not, 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 like, not like my heart stopped but <laughs> in my mind, in mind everything just went done. black I'm done disappeared from the face of this earth that's within terrifying. within 20 See, yeah so i had no warning no no warning about what i was getting into and i was i was pretty traumatized from the experience yeah so 
because I had no idea what I'm walking into. And no matter the conversation that you have, it is almost impossible to prepare someone. someone. I I literally say to people, it's like trying to um, describe one of those kaleidoscopes to a blind man. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, okay. Because you cannot even fathom to begin to fathom what you are about to experience. So I quite literally had um, myself feel like I I disappeared from this planet and earth and then he was playing some sort of techno-y music in the background which certainly wasn't helping and <laughs> I felt like I was um I felt like I was in I'm not sure if you ever played the old Super Nintendo Mario's where mm. you went into the warp zones and I felt like I was just falling through space so you could this. hear I could kind of hear no not, but you not immediately see and said then my hearing started coming back first and I couldn't see anything and I felt like I was falling through space. Were you space. sitting down? I was in Lying a couch, down. sunken into a couch. Yeah, like yep. melting. And and that period literally was probably only about a 60-second experience, but it felt like a lifetime. God. It literally felt like a lifetime. And, um, and then I sort of started coming to it and I was very naked, very vulnerable, very exposed, very raw. Um, Were you actually naked? No, that's how I felt. <laughs> And um, and I felt like I'd pissed myself, Aww. which I hadn't. Um, I I just I felt really self conscious and embarrassed. My friend was there, Aww. and I was saying I was saying to him that I was sorry, um, and and I kind of looked up to him, and he was freaking me out because he was all orange and he looked like Wolverine <laughs> and had a long fingernails and oh shit. And, and I was like, mate, you look like Wolverine. And he started going and like <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't That's cool at good. all. And that all that all just ro- like rocked me, and I pretty much after I'd come to it, pretty much went home, and I, I I feel like I didn't speak for a few days. I was pretty rocked. I could not believe what had just mm. happened, and I quite literally felt like I'd lived a whole other life, and um, okay. I literally felt like I'd, been, I'd died and been born again. But some over the next sort of two weeks, it really um, I started to have this profound self awareness. I knew who I was underneath and now having experienced it and realised that I was okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, now I know what I'm getting into. Mm. So have you let, done it again since then? Oh, I went hard. So oh, I was like, okay. let's do it again. <laughs> and then so it took me about two weeks to get over that yeah. traumatic experience and then I was like, okay, now that I know what I'm getting yeah, into, yeah. Yeah. you're speaking such good things about it. And I had already found, despite how scary that was, this sort of sense of peace or acceptance mm. with who I really was started to come upon me and then I um, I found myself, you know, probably spending a year where I was doing it quite frequently. Um, oh, wow. And each time um, it, it evolved and you become more familiar with that realm of consciousness and um, you would somewhat always go back to the same place um, where I would say that there was people there but they had no faces, they had no bodies, they were spirits and they lived there permanently and okay. you're just there visiting but it... Um, uh, I often, you know, there's been experiences where you cry. There's been experiences where you laugh a lot. Um, Are there negative side effects to DMT? In terms of physiological, in terms of being able to overdose and die, no. In terms of um, to the, brain? the trauma, yeah, in, not necessarily physiologically, but again to your psychology. Yeah, yeah. There, okay. there are there are many people that have had experiences where. Um, they have then spent, just like I said, I felt felt pretty two rocked weeks. for two weeks. There are people that have felt fucked mm. for a really long time. And I think, um, again, when you take any drug, and especially a psychedelic, it's going to magnify what's already real in your life. So if you're not in a good spot, it's only going to get rip worse, the scab yeah. off and get worse. So I think yeah. it's they. that's what I mean by that these conversations need to be exercised with great caution mm. to not be fucked with because mm. it's not as simple as, okay, it's going to wear off and you're going to be fine. These things will change your life. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember with my bad experience, so I think I just took too much acid, but I – oh, <laughs> sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> Guys, don't judge me. Um, but I was – I was like – revolver it was disgusting anyway i'd left and there's I was, the environment thing yeah too. that's yeah, the environment it was, thing it was like so heavy and then i was i was fine while i was there but then i left on, on like a sunday morning and it was like daylight and there were people walking around and i was like not wanting to be there and then all of a sudden it just flicked and i was in i was at someone's house that i didn't want to be there as well i felt so uncomfortable and the whole tunnel vision just like went black and was, it was the most horrific thing and i mm. think for like six months after that i couldn't 
really talk do it about again. it. Or oh, like you do couldn't it again. talk about nah, it. It was really quite traumatic for me. That's the only bad thing. Other than that, I've had great experiences. Well, if I could, well, what's probably happening there as well is like your internal dialogue has probably somewhat got the better of you, mm. in a way that it's estimated that we have about sixty thousand thoughts per day, and ninety six percent of those thoughts are subconscious meaning that they're essentially running on in the background that we're mm. not even necessarily aware of. And it's those subconscious thoughts which are controlling our emotional reaction to daily lives, da- daily situations, right? So when you submerge the conscious mind and open the mm. subconscious, like I said, the, these sort of internal dialogues and beliefs and self-internal perceptions that may have been created from when you're five years old, from when felt inadequate about something or someone bullied you or someone was mean to you they may still be present in your mm. body so it can come flooding out you know and that yeah, that's wow. where the risk factor but also the therapeutic uh benefits can be found but again like all things we sort of spoke about we got to the microdose before being half a gram and then they've identified about two two and a half grams as a therapeutic dose which would be um I guess, yeah, mild hallucinations, breathing of walls and objects and those sorts of things, senses and feelings of enlightenment and still a social uh, experience, Uh, whereas they call a five-gram dose, um, they call it the heroic dose, which was a full spiritual experience where you get a full submersion within your subconscious mind where you are no longer, um, you have no ability to probably really walk and talk and interact and hold any sense of reality. Is that how much you would do? The largest dose of mushrooms I've done is about eight grams. Holy hell. So um, that was when I did that that purging experience. Oh, yeah. And that was actually actually in one of the first lockdowns. So that was really triggering and testing for me and and probably dug up a lot of these um, old senses of failure. Uh, that sort of had been around in you know earlier ventures and failures um, with sport and things and just the you know the lack of purpose um, the lack of control mm. all things that really didn't sit very well with me that I struggle with um, and I was in a dark place I was in a really I was in a really really mm. dark place to be honest um, like I I found myself at Bunnings not with any intention to be there for that uh, and I spoke about this on another podcast I was there. To get to actually get something, and I found myself caught in the aisle looking at rope for about ten minutes because mm. I was fantasizing about what I was going to hang myself with. So I was in a bad spot, <laughs> and that's where I decided um, to do this, uh, I guess, ceremony by myself, um, where um, I had a very specific, I guess, journey of playlist that was organised and. Um, you, you know, think think chakra music, think binaural beats, think Tibetan monks and all that <laughs> kind of shit. Very, very zen. Um, and I did it. I was alone in bed um, by myself. And that trip went for about five, six hours. And um, I, for the first, as that all started to come on, it comes on pretty heavy. And, um, and I was experiencing quite a lot of savagery I think that existed in my mind it was very violent it was very sort of demonic and it was um you know my own internal perception of myself within that experience was almost like I was uh, a caged animal in the Amazon like with ayahuasca or something and I was being tormented and poked with a stick and I was like when you put a wild animal in a corner they only know one way out and that was very much my reality in that and it almost is felt it a easy bit to like stay calm in that situation? Like well, I feel like I wouldn't be able to be calm. Well, no, the most important thing I think that to with with any psychedelic is you have to be submissive to it. Yeah, because you you are not yeah, you, you are not it. in control. And if yeah. you try and fight it, that's where you're going. And that's bad. when you're going to get it to go bad. Yeah, because you will not win that fight. Yeah. Okay. So, but again, by no means would you ever do that. ever do okay. that if you hadn't had a lot very slow build up and Increase. experience those things and you were very very willing wanting and prepared for well, that coming. kind of experience because like i said you cannot even begin to fathom the reality of what's you've never experienced anything like this no mm. no recreational drug is at all similar because you are hallucinating a lot of things and you are left with your own thoughts and emotions and, yeah and after that it started to um what happened from that really what would maybe some call negative experience was I kind of um 
I kind of had this, you know, those flick books that you flick and all the pictures are slightly different on each page mm. and they move yeah. like a cartoon. Yeah. I felt like I had went through one of those of my entire life, which had a different, per- every single person that I met was on every different page. Wow. And I guess within that flick, it filtered into, um, it filtered out who I didn't, who wasn't important. And it left me with um, the people that I love. So some of my best friends um, and some of my family that they were there in the in present in my mind and that's where my attention was focused and what happened is I came to a point of acceptance that that level of savagery exists only inside me because it is there out of the purpose to protect those that I actually love and that's yeah, what wow. I would do for them and all of a sudden in, in that realisation, as much as you can have an extreme level of um, you know, chaos there, you're met with an equal, if not greater, sense of acceptance and peace uh, on the other side of it. Um, where maybe people in the past, like I said, I've had some violent experiences growing up, people will label that bad. Yeah. But so you, you've got this in your mind, oh, you're a bad kid, you're a bad that, bad that. So you've been labelled these things. But I think that's half the problem is that we're so obsessed with this idea of good or bad rather than mm. acceptance of just, you know, like who are you to get to dictate whether something's good or bad? Yeah. You know, of course, I don't believe in any sort of violent exchange between someone who doesn't want to participate in that. But if two people are willing, then, you know, and they know <laughs> the risks, then maybe that's how you feel. Yeah. Not everybody's going to agree. And that's, yeah. that's fine. But either way, I came to that place of acceptance. And then I literally spent the next five hours sitting there with a smile ear to ear and tears coming oh. down my face <laughs> and just overwhelmed I had a rainbow in my bedroom and uh and was just just sitting there focusing thinking about the people that I love for five hours straight and had and from there on I went from oh because all I was thinking about is my business has been shut down I got no money the government are doing this to me victim 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 I was all my attention was focused on the things that I don't have yeah and I realized that all of those things aren't real Mm. they come and go what's actually yeah, if, if i attach go. myself if i attach my entire sense of self-worth to the figure in my bank account mm. then i'm probably forever going to be disappointed yeah and i'm going to be because it just just like the body image stuff mm. you know you put on 10 kilos you want to put on 20 yeah or if it's for women you lose 10 kilos yes. you want to lose 20 yeah you know it's never going to be good enough that's yeah. just human nature so now it just it realigned my focus and my attention and i was now full of gratitude yeah, and, what you and, do have. And, and the next, it, I didn't give a fuck about lockdown anymore. I was just, I started to view the time that I did have as an opportunity to invest that energy and attention into those that I don't usually have the time for due to business demands. Mm, that's actually really nice. Mm, so it was. It was a, it was a heavy experience. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> therapeutic like one. It. So from a, like a medical like I know both of you two think it should be legalised and used medically. Is that correct? Yeah. So in what kind of scenario would you suggest that it is used in a medical situation? Like um, if someone was what, battling well, depression, anxiety? Because is it a little bit touch and go? on? So there's um, like MDMA has also been fitting into this. Really? So I don't actually know how true bit, this yeah. is, but I God. think MDMA I've was actually first used... Um, as a, I'm not sure which way this is one of those chicken and the, or the bit, the, like the Viagra situation, which one was the side effect, mm. which was actually, right. but I know it was originally used in, um, in marriage counseling and it was used in, uh, to treat nausea and then it obviously became illegal and then that sort of stopped its use. But MDMA is now also being shown to be, um, one of the most effective modalities for treating PTSD and war veterans mm. and such things because, again, when men have got so much uh, difficulty expressing, expressing love yeah. and being vulnerable, MDMA, as we know, yeah. serotonin yeah. pathways makes everybody loving and um, you know willing to share such things. So I think whether it be MDMA, whether it be psilocybin mushrooms, LSD, even ketamine to a degree has been used to Ket- with depression. Yeah. Where else um, in the world are they doing this in Yes, I'm sure there's parts of Europe and I'm yeah. sure the parts of the States, Australia's I don't know well, much in Australia. Um, yeah, yeah, but they're, they're done under, um, you know, clinical um, settings with supervision from psychiatrists, psychologists, mm. um, these and those kinds of um, doctors. So, you know, somebody, if you guys are listening to this and, you know, you're enjoying some of the, the content, I, I would definitely recommend looking up a guy called Dr. Carl Hart who has actually got a, a book that he has written, which I think is about like drug taking for adults, which is like drug taking responsibly or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he talks a lot about what he's been, because the, the, he works in that clinical setting and that space and is seeing the the benefits. But 
not only depression and anxiety, but there's really, really positive effects for um, addiction. Um, because as we know, all addiction starts from trauma. Mm. And so, um, you know, a, again, the, the alcohol or drug dependence is, is often a, um, you know, a, a distraction from having to deal with the root causes of that trauma as it's just too painful. And these psychedelic experiences can be really helpful for people to address the trauma and ultimately put the um, put the addiction to bed. So there's some really good stuff in the research. And um, like I said, Hannah, I'll link you guys a couple um, mm. uh, of the medical journals to put in your podcast yes. notes so people can do some reading about it yeah. in the way that it's um, helping people quit, sm- quit smoking and alcoholism pretty much cold turkey. That's crazy. Mm. Love that. Anything um, else you want to add? Um, I don't know. Did you want to talk anything about the fitness industry and stuff like I that? Because have we have just kind of just solely focused on the drugs. you know, the psychedelics <laughs> there. And um, yeah, I don't want everyone walking away just thinking I'm some <laughs> fucking long haired tie dye wearing hippie who's promoting these things. I'm certainly not. It's just um, I'm a big believer in their yeah. um, their their benefits, but also the the risks that are involved and the caution mm. that needs to be um, handled with. And you know, it's um. It's just it's just crazy that we look at, um, you know, if you look at the the deaths from drug overdoses in the United States, and that's where we get the best data come from usually, mm. and we reflect that just on a smaller scale. Being Western, um, you know, in two thousand and nineteen, I think the the most deaths came from benzodiazepine, which is you know opiates, and they're prescribed. So that was about eight hundred thousand. Wow. Uh, 500,000 was tobacco so again something that's regulated and sold and legal third one yeah, was 300,000 which was alcohol that's so awesome. again legal. legal 120,000 I think was amphetamines and cocaine related overdoses or, mm. and deaths LSD was zero marijuana was one wow so we're comparing that there so the yeah. top three things that are considered legal and prescribed or socially acceptable are the things that are actually killing and hurting more people yet you're going to call me a fucking moron (laughs) when i don't drink and i take a mushroom out of the ground sometimes and have an experience that makes me calmer more self-accepting more loving self-aware more so yeah what do you actually touching on that what do you think like i know a lot of people have a lot to say about people in the fitness industry that take drugs recreational and psychedelics Mm -hmm. What do you, like? What's your view on that? Like, do you think that that is deemed as not healthy? I guess you. Um, I think there's a stigma think, around it. Absolutely. Yeah. I and mean, I would never openly tell. I mean, I don't really <laughs> want to tell everyone that I take I've drugs. Done, well, not that I do in much anymore, but I used to. But I think we can all agree that there's not many people that we know that haven't that tried a drug. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And at the same time, as we've just said, well, whether you want to admit it or not, caffeine is a drug. Mm. Okay, everybody drinks caffeine. Yeah, it's not illicit or yeah, it's not prescribed, but it's still a drug. Yeah, mm. and alcohol. And alcohol, yeah. And that's what I mean. These are the things that are actually causing detriment to people's health. So yeah. people all take drugs. Yeah. You know, um, but there is, I think at the end of the day, to have an unrealistic expect, and this is why I like to be pretty transparent and outspoken about things, is I think half of the mental health battles and this game of comparison that people are playing is because there is a lack of transparency. So, mm. oh, what, you're projecting that you're perfect and you're not human and you ever do these things? Yeah. Like, hell, just because I'm a fitness professional and I'm educated in the topics of health and nutrition and whatever that may be, doesn't mean that I don't have any fun in my life mm. yeah. or that I'm not allowed to experiment. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. Are these? I don't drink anymore. I haven't drunk for four and a half years. I don't smoke. I But I... And I very rarely party, but I might do that once or twice a year because I put it into, um, I, I guess, what is my priority? My priority mm. is my health. My priority is running my business. And if I'm out there doing that every weekend, then obviously those two things are going to suffer. Yeah. And they're certainly not important to me. But it doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to be human and I'm not allowed to live my mm. youth. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but again, if we look at drugs, we could even go into the place of performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. Because like, I am telling you right now, and I know this from the fucking horse's mouth, that some of the fitness models that you guys are following on Instagram, women yeah, that are the best physiques, apparently, mm. they are using anabolic steroids. So why, why do you think they deny it? Because it really pisses me off. Because they have the fear of, they have the fear of judgment. Tell me after. It's so pathetic. Because, again, they're, they're misunderstood. Like, let's, let's have a look at performance-enhancing drugs, for example, mm. te- with testosterone. So look at Lance Armstrong. Mm. Okay, he he won the Tour de France so many times, and I think 
and then people tried to take away his, the credit that he deserved for winning those things because he used PEDs. Yet, if you since he got caught, I'm going to butcher the stats here, so don't quote me on it. Yeah. But I think the next person finisher of those events that hasn't been done for using performance enhancing drugs was finished about number thirty something <laughs> in the race. So that is something that is very embodied in that, in that cycling culture. Yeah. culture. Yeah. So was it the drugs, if they were all taking them, or was it Lance Armstrong? And mm. at the same time, he's taking the same shit that Ronnie Coleman was taking. Do they look the same? No. Ronnie Coleman's <laughs> probably the biggest bodybuilder that there's ever been on this yeah. earth. They're taking yeah. the same thing. So it doesn't do the work for you. Of course it helps, otherwise yeah, they wouldn't helps. take them. But – because of society's perception of such things, because mm. we're not maybe not ready as a society for such truths, especially because we are so sheltered and getting participation ribbons at school and the <laughs> truth is now more offensive. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. The, like people's feelings is more important than the truth. Yeah. Then it the doesn't, it doesn't get spoken just... about because people don't want to be judged and they don't want their credibility taken. And at the end of the day, they're running a business and it's not good for their PR because yeah. society perceive it in such a way. But those women, I'm telling you, not just the women, obviously the men yeah. too, but the amount of people that are within the fitness industry and at the top in terms of attention mm. and yeah. profiles are using PEDs. They look great and they project this happy lifestyle, yet they've got digestive irritability, gut issues, depression, mm. anxiety, erectile dysfunction, <laughs> and so many you know, fertility issues. Yeah. And that is, that's about as that's real as it healthy. gets. And that is not healthy. No, it's not. So... What are you going to tell me is healthy? So if I've done, if you have, if you like, we got to look at health beyond just training and nutrition. Yeah. So, so if you go out, and, sorry, Abby, yeah, if you go out on a weekend with your girlfriend, some of your best friends, and you've been working really hard for three months and you haven't had a night out, and now you've gone and had a night and you feel full of, uh, I guess, gratitude for your friends, you're feeling mm. loving, you've let some of that stress go, you feel like you've scratched your itch, all of a sudden now your cortisol levels and your stress levels have gone down. Yeah, sure, you're going to have a hangover, but then if you spend the next three months feeling better yeah. within yourself because mm. of that one evening that you had full of fulfilment, yeah. well, I would argue that that's healthy. Yeah, I agree. So what do you define, maybe we should finish on this, what do you define as healthy? Mm, that's a good question. Um, look, I don't, think, uh, I, I don't think anybody can call themselves healthy if they don't have a healthy mind. Mm. And, um, and if your entire sense of happiness and self-worth is attached to your physical appearance in the mirror, then yeah, you're going shit. to be forever down a path of disappointment. And it astonishes me that we put so much attention and effort or energy into how we move our body, what we put into our body. But there's one thing that overrides all of that, and that is our brain. Mm. So there is still a, especially with men, a um, this perception that engaging in help with a psychologist and a therapist would be a sign of weakness, when in yeah, fact I, I would that. challenge that and say that it, it takes extreme courage to make mm. the choice to actually go digging up old wounds yeah. and figuring out what is within Absolutely, you yeah. to yeah, better yeah. yourself. So yeah. I think without those all three combined, you will only be you'll be limited to a bottleneck of how um, how healthy you really will be. Yeah, healthy healthy is an interesting one. But I like that response. Yeah, that's awesome. You smart man. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Thank you for coming on today. No worries. That was Thanks great. Loved it. Um, See you soon. All right. Thank you, guys.